Hello, Degrassi fans, and welcome to the Degrassi Kid Podcast, where each week we break down the history and impact of our favorite teen TV show. I'm Jocelyn, and this week we're doing a podcast for Black History Month. Unfortunately, Degrassi doesn't have the best track record for presenting their black female characters with the same attention as their white female characters. So today I thought, what if we took a black storyline from Degrassi Next Class and made it better? The storyline follows a white girl named Frankie Hollingsworth, who's played by Sarah Waysglass. And I want to clarify, we love Sarah, we love Degrassi, but even our favorite things in the world can still be a little bit better sometimes. So here's the story. In season two of Degrassi Next Class, Degrassi's volleyball team is in a prank war with a rival school called Northern Tech. Frankie comes up with an idea that involves drawing the rival students to look like zoo animals, painting them like monkeys, gorillas, giraffes, except the students at Northern Tech are all black. Frankie doesn't realize that her prank is racist and she spends the rest of the season trying to skirt responsibility and tell everyone, this isn't my fault. And of course, she finally learns her lesson in the final moments of the show where she apologizes and everything's okay again. And I want to break down this storyline to see how we can make it better and instead tell a story that doesn't have a white character at the center of it. Now, I know what you're thinking. Jocelyn, great idea, but you're a white person. How can you be the voice for Black representation on Degrassi? Well, I can't. <laughs> but I can tell you how Degrassi uses storytelling techniques to make teenagers like me feel represented on television. Constantly, I think about how the world would be a better place if everyone got the same validation of being seen and heard and represented by their favorite TV show, just like I did. I feel qualified to tell you how Degrassi could have been better at storytelling because I've been positively impacted by it, and I know they know how to do it well. However, I do not feel qualified to tell you about the realities of Black storytelling on television. But for now, let's look at Degrassi and talk about how they just didn't get race right. Yeah, I get it. I can't dance because I'm white. What? That's not what I'm saying. Yes, it is. Polar bears are white. I'm white and you're racist. Now, I can't tell you the exact moments on Degrassi where they got black storytelling 100% correct, but I can tell you where they got queer storytelling right. Degrassi uses a set of core values to make sure that they're telling really powerful stories in a believable way. I think it's important we start off by acknowledging how Degrassi can do successful stories about their minority students. And I want to point out that Degrassi actually holds itself accountable to being a show that everyone can see themselves in. One moment where they do this exceptionally well is with Marco's coming out storyline in season three, specifically the episodes titled Pride Part 1 and Pride Part 2. But as with any storyline on Degrassi, before it reaches our television sets or our computer screens, it gets passed through a number of qualified individual voices who can look at a story and say, is this realistic? Does this send a message? Degrassi goes out and does research. They visit high schools in real life and they talk to real students about their genuine lived experiences. Degrassi speaks to professionals who work at crisis hotlines, as guidance counselors, or as leading advocates in a certain field, like women's health or gender affirmation. And finally, Degrassi uses the biggest resource they have available to them. Degrassi uses their group of real teenage actors. Actors who can look at a script and say, this is what I experienced. By the time a story is delivered to us as an audience, it's already been fully prepared by a team who wants to get it right. So when it came time to tell a story like Marco coming out of the closet, Degrassi already had a toolkit to make sure Marco's story was done correctly. And today, I'm going to tell you how they did it. Number one, the person most affected by a storyline is at the center of it. 
That means when Marco comes out of the closet, we follow his journey as he deals with the experience. We see him pretend he's in a relationship with Ellie. We see him develop an interest in Dylan. We see him get gay bashed, made fun of, bullied, and we see him deal with Spinner's homophobia. This is all centered from Marco's point of view. Now, there are moments where we spend alone time with Spinner and see firsthand how he deals with Marco's queerness. Spinner causes a lot of the pushback in Marco's life and really is the one creating those roadblocks that Marco has to eventually get over. But at the end of the day, it's still Marco's story. And that brings me perfectly in to number two. Degrassi is unafraid to show us that good people can do bad things. The reason this storyline performs so well is because the conflict is between two main characters, Marco and Spinner. They're best friends who the audience is already familiar with. Degrassi does this on purpose because they want to show you that this story can happen to you. People you care about can be gay. People you care about can be homophobic. So how do you deal with it? If Degrassi had only brought in Dylan Michaelchuk to be the main gay character or Jay Hogarth to be the main homophobe, the story would have lost its stakes. It sounds bad to say it, but we really just wouldn't have cared as much if we didn't know the characters that well. Degrassi works because it takes our favorite Degrassi kids and puts them directly in conflict with each other. They're not afraid to take their main characters and make them look like bad people. And finally, number three. Degrassi does really well at considering its target audience. Like I said, Degrassi tells stories where they hire real teenage actors, they do research, and they put their main cast members at the center of the storylines. This is because Degrassi considers who is watching the episode, who is most affected by the issue, and who really needs to see this story and learn that you are not alone. Marco's coming out storyline impacted thousands of young kids who were just like me and closeted or, or struggling with their sexuality. Many other people watched this episode and became more sympathetic to the queer experience. If they brought in a guest star or only told the story from Spinner's point of view or even ended the episode with the idea that homophobia is okay as long as you don't mean it, then the story wouldn't have made such a big impact in the early 2000s. I think about shows like 90210, where a main cast member is forced to work with an AIDS patient outside of her friend group, or in Saved by the Bell, when Zach Morris has to go on a date with this random fat girl before they both realize, hey, these are people too. <laughs> so now that we know how Degrassi uses these core storytelling techniques to represent real teenagers, let's look at why Frankie's racism storyline just doesn't work. Okay, I tried doing a good thing. Maybe they hate me because I'm white, like reverse racism. Wait, that's a thing? Yes, white people are so oppressed. No, Lola, reverse racism is not a thing, but white privilege is. If we remember rule number one is that the person most affected by a storyline is at the center of it, then I have to ask you, in a plot line about racism and racial microaggressions, who do you think is most affected by the story? A white character like Frankie Hollingsworth who accidentally does something racist? Or a black character like Shea Powers who has to make a tough decision? Do I kick my racist best friend off the team and risk losing my volleyball career? Or do I stand up for what's right and say that racism is never okay, no matter what? I think for this storyline to make an impact, it has to be from the point of view of Shay. Imagine how much better this plotline would have been if Frankie's racism played out in the same way as Spinner's homophobia. Sure, their actions can push the storyline forward, but ultimately, neither Spinner or Frankie should be at the center of their storylines. 
I would rather see a storyline where Shay is really upset because Frankie makes comments about her hair and uh, Shay realizes she's the only black girl in the locker room. Or, or, or maybe there's even a moment where Hunter takes something valuable um, and his parents assume it must have been Shay because all of a sudden she gets a brand new volleyball jacket and, and they just assume her parents probably can't afford it. Frankie says that while she believes Shay, she does have to listen to her parents and Shay isn't allowed to come over anymore. That is a story that could make an impact. I want to see the reality that black teenagers face every day from people they would call their friends. To be fair, we do get small moments in the story where we see Shay's point of view. Like when she asks her dad why Frankie's actions are racist. And this is great, but it ultimately does nothing for the overall message of the story. I didn't feel like it really added to Frankie learning her lesson. Do you know how Frankie finally accepts that she's racist? She pops a tire, ends up on the side of the road, and she gets scared when a black person approaches her car and offers help. What? This is the moment where she finally goes, huh, maybe I am racist. Degrassi knows that Frankie should have learned her lesson because she saw firsthand how she was hurting Shay, or how much she was hurting those girls at Northern Tech. Instead, it took her feeling unsafe around a random person on the street to start changing her mind? That's not how Degrassi tells its best stories. This especially drives me nuts because throughout the entire season, we see Frankie constantly acting like this, where someone is standing right in front of her and saying, you are hurting me. It's like race doesn't matter. Oh my gosh, you're a genius. <laughs> race doesn't matter? Yeah. I mean, no, it doesn't, which is why we should put all this banner business behind us. Right, Jay? My race matters to me. It's what I live every day. Let me finish, please. I really think we can work this out. Did I make a mistake? Sure. But don't we all make mistakes? So you're the one who drew that racist picture of me. Yeah. I drew you as a gorilla, but we all evolved from monkeys, so when you think about it, we're family. What does any of that have to do with your racist drawing? Maybe she's getting to it. Look, the next time we have a game, you can bring a big dumb drawing of me, and then we'll be even. Can we please just let it go? Let it go? That drawing was racist. But I didn't mean it like that. So what? Do you have any idea what it felt like seeing that hanging from my own school? No, of course she doesn't. I am so sick of being made out to be the villain. You guys pranked us first. We were just getting back at you. By being racist? Never mind. I think we're done here. I think one of us is done. This clip brings me right into my next point. Degrassi does its best stories when they show that our favorite, most likable characters can still get into conflict with each other. And in this scene, that just doesn't happen. And I'm going to be honest, I don't really understand the message of this scene because the pushback is coming from someone that we don't really know. The audience is much more likely to feel sympathy for Frankie because she's been on the show since season 13 of The Next Generation. We've seen her go through moments where she's changed and grown and become a better person. And we can believe that she didn't really mean to be racist. But to the audience, this random student from Northern Tech named Kara has absolutely no stakes in the story. We're not given a reason to care about her the same way we do Frankie. Imagine if Marco's coming out storyline was actually about Dylan. And Dylan says, hey guys, Spinner's bullying me. Spinner's being homophobic. And Spinner's just like those gay bashers from the park. If all of Spinner's friends that we love and care about start to say things like, 
no, 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 Spinner's a really good guy, or, oh, it's just a misunderstanding, or, hey, you need to learn how to take a joke. If that happens and the episode ends, then the message of the story is that homophobia is okay as long as you didn't really mean it. This is how they're setting up the story with Northern Tech in that exact same way, making Kara just seem like a sensitive black girl that can't take a joke. And literally nobody at Degrassi wants to listen to her. Now, partially I can blame this on Degrassi moving to Netflix because they only had 10 episodes to tell their stories. So you'll notice the way they change their storytelling. In season one and two, they basically choose a theme and explore it through all of their characters at one time. The first 10 episodes were about feminism, and now these episodes are about racism. This means that we don't get to see Frankie learn her lesson until the end of the entire season. In The Next Generation, Spinner at least starts to feel bad by the end of Marco's coming out episode. Throughout Degrassi Next Class, we get these moments with Frankie, where she doubles down that she didn't do anything wrong. She has these moments with Jonah where he comforts her for being sad and misunderstood, and we're given these kind of intimate, personal moments where we're supposed to feel bad for her. I told you what it was like at school. People were so horrible. After everything, you still honestly think that you're the victim? I tried to make things better, but everyone still hates me, so what else am I supposed to do? Frankie gets some kind of feel-bad-for-me scene in almost every single episode. The Northern Tech girls, who are the ones being bullied, are hardly there at all. <laughs> but I won't let Degrassi use streaming on Netflix as an excuse, because even though their storytelling changed, they're still taking on the responsibility of telling authentic teen stories. Degrassi should know better than anyone that it's still their responsibility to get the story right. Which again brings me to my final point. Degrassi isn't considering its target audience. I have to say, as a white girl, I can appreciate a storyline where someone who looks like me starts doing things that are accidentally racist. They learn a lesson and learn that what they're doing is called a microaggression and it's actually really harmful. At the end of the day, they're held accountable for their actions and grow from their prejudice. I can get behind that story because in recent years, I've learned a lot about myself and how the things that I've done were rooted in racism. However, I don't think Degrassi gets to tell this story until they start telling black stories first. We don't need another story about a sad white girl who doesn't want to face the consequences of her own actions. We have those episodes already. We need to know what it's like to be in high school when you have a different skin color from all your friends and how it feels when you really like them, but they say things that hurt your feelings. Even with Liberty's storyline in season 9, they didn't let Emma or Manny be racist. They had to bring in a completely new group of characters to deliver the storyline. When it comes to racism, Degrassi just can't seem to figure out their own formula. If you're a black girl watching the storyline at home, I don't know if you're going to learn the lesson that even accidental racism isn't okay and you can use your voice to stand up for yourself. I don't know if you're really going to learn how to take your feelings and put them into words the same way that I learned how to come out of the closet, how I learned to stand up against homophobia, and how I learned to call out my friends when they're being accidentally homophobic by calling things gay or dropping the F-slur. Instead, we're teaching young black girls that as long as your best friend says, I didn't mean it, it's pretty much okay. <laughs> but now we're getting into the part of the episode where I really don't get to speak on my experiences. Instead, I'd love to hear from you and learn what Black Degrassi fans have to say about race on Degrassi Next Class. Whatever it takes.